Welcome to Outside In, an interview series brought to you in association with First Windows and Doors. I'm Alice Lyons, editor of Homestyle magazine, and today I'm jumping on a call with architect Pat DuPont and architectural graduate Michaela Greeny of SGA to find out more about the Garden House, a project they worked on for some long-term clients in the Tamaki Makoto suburb of Hobsonville. Hi, Pat and Michaela. Thanks for joining me today to talk about your garden house. I always enjoy sort of finding out about these projects where you've had a, you know, a long-standing relationship with a client and also, you know, how you as architects respond to the housing needs through different phases of life and also dividing sections and things and, and making new homes for people. Um, can you tell us about some of the specific brief for this home and its owners? The, the clients, are um, they've been on the site for 25 plus years. So they came to us originally in the uh, it was 1990 something or other. Um, and the brief then was to build them a family home. So they had two sons and they're both dentists. So they wanted a surgery um, on the site as well. So it's quite, a, um, it's quite a public site. It's on a very busy corner that house operated as their business for 25 years. So when they, they've now got to sort of retirement age, the intention was to sell that business and then build themselves a retirement home on the piece of land that they already owned there. So it's been, a, I think it's been something in their minds for a long time. Yeah, it's so they came back to us uh, 2015 to start that process. Um, and we did the initial design work then they put it on hold for a little while while they organized getting the business sold and then once that had, that had kind of gone through uh, we started work proper on the new house so you, you sort of mentioned that it's quite um, busy sort of surroundings but how about the site itself that you had to work with for this home part of the original subdivision was it remained as two um, two sites. It was actually a big, the whole corner lot went up for sale at one at, at one point, and Barfoot and Thompson bought the actual corner as their office um, and built a building there. So the site that the clients owned is is kind of an L shape that wraps around that site. So on, on one leg of the L is where they built their surgery, and on the other side of the L they ran it. They just had it as a garden. Um, and that that fronts up to a really busy main road, um, but it was it, it has been basically their back garden for 25 years. A lot a lot of the, the things to do with the, is, is how you live on a site that's that quite busy, um, and maintaining privacy. So they end up with you know a number of neighbours. One of them being Barfoots, um, a couple of neighbours on the the northern side, and then their own surgery um, kind of. Or that the surgery that they used to own is now um, another neighbour. Um, so yeah, it's, it becomes quite a um, an interesting site to work with from from that point of view. There's two access points. Um, the the street access is a pedestrian one, and you can't drive in from that side. And then the vehicle access is is uh, adjacent to the um, old house and surgery. It sort of used to be their backyard, and now it houses a home for them that. It has is it a three a three bedroom home there. Uh, yes, part of the brief for them was to, to downsize a little bit, but not drastically. They're not um, you know tiny house dwellers by any stretch, 
and that the um, as they're getting older, there was you know some you know, as, as health issues might take over, they they wanted a house to be future proofed in terms of their access access to it, accessibility, and uh, a house that they could kind of age in uh, without having to move out, um, you know, go into an other care sort of thing. And um, so situated on a rear section, but with busy you know streets surrounding it, and you know, being a, a, a section that's been carved off the back like that, there's sort of a few neighbours around too. Yeah. And But the design really maximises connection to the outdoors with thoughtful use of, you know, space and also maintaining privacy. What were some of your key considerations around um, utilising that kind of section? Yeah, so as Pat's mentioned, um, the site was uh, a beautiful garden that Chris and Heather had developed, um, and they are both avid gardeners. Part of their brief was to try to maximise kind of gardens, um, include veggie gardens in a potting area. Um, and so, yeah, we designed um, quite a large home on the site, and the driveway and access did take up quite a large proportion of that site. So, yeah. In terms of the early planning, it was really important to locate the home in a way which created pockets of garden so we could utilise some areas for that uh, function. Um, And then SGLA came in relatively later on in the piece um, to develop um, the planting schemes with the clients. They had a very clear idea about what they wanted. So, yeah, that was quite quite a nice marriage between the two. Um, especially around, say, the entry areas, um, really highlighting that access into the the home with the gardening as well as the form. Yeah, it's always interesting when you're sort of utilising, you know, working around that sort of existing um, suburban structure. And here I think that the landscape and the architecture work really succinctly together with working with SGLA. They designed the garden and, and you worked on the architecture together. So how does that process sort of work interweaving I mean, there are various ways of doing it. We we tend to work um, on the structure of the garden in terms of the hard surfaces and the built parts of it um, initially and then um, bring in um, the landscapers um, to kind of fine-tune that and then to deal with the planting and the, the, where the garden should be. And often they'll have, um, you know, suggestions in terms of how... Um, how paths might work or what they're made of and those those kinds of things. So, um, you know, SGLA are in the same building with us, so we have a really, uh, really easy, close working relationship. Makes it easy then, doesn't it? <laughs> it yeah. does, yeah. No, and and, um, and we, we have a similar kind of um, aesthetic, I guess, too. So it's not we're, – we're not fighting with, um, you know, different – Kind of ideas, kind yeah, of. yeah, yeah, and and they you know they understand what we're doing, we understand what they're doing, so it's a it's a really simple. And here you get that the opportunity where the sort of the journey inside takes you away from the shared driveway and up through that garden path of planting. Yeah. From that stage, can you sort of talk us through the plan from entry inside? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the entry is quite an interesting thing because we've kind of got. Two, um, two entry points to the site and we had to find a way to bring them together so that, that's the reason for the garden path I guess it, it kind of brings those two um, points together and then on entering the house um, there's a, a kind of it's a bit a bit about that garden so you enter into what we call the garden room and essentially it's a room or a space that's 
neither inside nor outside. I mean, it, it's um, the, the materiality is exterior. It's got the same cladding as the outside of the building has. Uh, the flooring, um, so the, the floor surface runs through from outside to inside, and it's kind of a, a sort of transition um, space that's used for... You know, it's it's a second living space. It's a circulation space. It's a place to sit in the sun. Heather has her library and and desk there, um, so she works from that sort of space, um, and it's very very closely connected to the outside. And then so to the um, to the the right of the entry is a um, there's a two story block which has the bedrooms and the the garaging and the service um, sides of the. The house, and on the other side of the garden room is the kind of living, open plan living space and outdoor verandas and those kinds of things. So it's uh, um, it's basically a building of two parts that are linked by this floating roof. Yes, you really get that feeling when you enter there. You know, you've got that kind of direct connection to the garden with the you know sort of expansive joinery from first windows and doors, giving you both sort of physical and visual access. Um, but I also like that sort of change in volume of that kind of expansive garden room space and then how it drops down, you know, the roof drops down on the interior through to the kitchen and dining. And, you know, there's quite an interesting treatment with the timber um, that leads you on to the upstairs and service areas as well. Tell uh, tell me about the sort of the material use. There was some, you bring that palette through from the exterior quite effectively the building's conceived of as two um, two blocks linked by the sort of floating cloak of a roof. So the ceiling treatment is all in timber, so that, that runs right through the, the house from basically from outside over the living room, over the garden room, and then over the bedroom wing. So it's a kind of unifying material. Um, and then the, the walls of those two blocks are clad inside and out with the same... Um, exterior timber cladding so that that kind of accentuates that blurring I guess of inside and outside and again the same with the flooring the flooring's treated as one thing so you you sort of slip from inside to outside without um, without a shift in material and without a shift in level even you know the the level entries inside and out so um, the points where you're inside the building and outside the building become a little bit vague yeah, and I sort of like the way that, you know, with, I mean, hard materials, the you know, things that have been used on the exterior, the, the textural quality to them, you know, adds life to the interior too, like the, even just the, you know, the surfaces that you've used, it has quite a sort of textural palette which gives warmth to the space. Yeah, definitely. So as Pat mentioned, um, there was a lot of focus on the timber and the craftsmanship. Um and for the direction of the material palette, um, the timber did uh, become quite a large focus and was probably the starting point of that investigation. Uh, we went for a, a dark, warm stain, um, which really grounded the forms. And yeah, like you say, created that warmth in the interiors as well as the exterior. Also kind of contrast quite nicely with the gardening and kind of the green exterior tones in the context. Um, that warm, dark tone went through the house from the selections of the tiling, wall finishes, a lot of the joinery is in kind of a, a warm timber species. And then, yeah, that was picked up also with the joinery. So using uh, the 
anodized dark bronze as the yeah, metal profile. So when you're looking through it, it speaks to the adjacent materials. Um, and yeah, it just ties in beautifully um, with all those tones around it. Having that kind of material palette, then it's sort of even quite considered in some of the, you know, finishing t treatments, like having that beautiful sage green wall colour through into the living space is a nice touch. Yeah, definitely. I suppose there is a lot of timber work, so kind of breaking um, a lot of the brown tones up with the colour was, I think, very effective. Because we've got quite uh, some isolated areas, say the, the living form, um, the bedrooms on the first floor, and then also the bedrooms and, and garages on um, the ground floor, we were able to kind of uh, pick uh, slightly different kind of colours in those areas. I guess it sort of takes you on that journey when you, you do have, you know, spaces that are multi-use, but also feels like that the open plan elements of the home and also between, you know, the interior and exterior with the Metro Series Thermal Heart, you know, over the wall sliding doors and things, just that kind of ability to really open up to the garden, but then close areas down is really effective there too. The way we treat windows and doors is, um, it, you know, the, the obvious things are, are, are light and ventilation, and um, we we strive really, really hard to make um, those things as passive or as um, as natural as possible. So we don't like to rely on a lot of, um, you know, mechanical trickery. If we can, if we can naturally ventilate, naturally light and heat a house, that's always the that's always the starting point. So um, you know, careful placement of windows and doors and um, um, and and protection of them from the sun so they don't overheat and those kinds of things are, are, are kind of critical to to a good design, um, particularly from a sustainability point of view. So um, you know, if, if you can naturally ventilate, naturally heat, then there's less load on the the mechanical systems. And it does sort of feel like it works sort of hand in hand with some of the other you know architectural features you've considered of the home, you know, the way the roof line comes out over the sort of kitchen courtyard garden and things. Yeah. Um, what other factors sort of on, on the sustainability front were key here? The clients were really um, keen to, um, you know, to, to work that side of, of the thing so that there's quite a lot of engineering solutions in the building. Our, our first port of call, as I say, is, is passive um, heating and ventilation um, and in this case it's substituted with um, a big um, photovoltaic array on the roof and batteries um, so the house is, is largely powered by that, that system. Um, the, there's a hydronic underfloor heating system that's driven off um, using those using heat pumps um, which are powered by the, the photovoltaic array. The, the clients um, had their, their requirements were for, for very good um, and very kind of nuanced control of um, heating and cooling in the house. So they have actually included um, not only the underfloor heating but also a, um, a mechanical ventilation system and, uh, again, driven by heat pumps. Um, so even though there's, there's quite a lot of... Um, energy using um, you know, heating and cooling in the house it's it's powered by a, a sustainable array so um, you know we're, we're trying to work 
both sides of the uh, both sides of the coin, if you like, to get that to work. Also, the sort of considerations around accessibility um, were a key feature here. Can you share some of the solutions you utilised? Yeah, so our clients in our, their initial brief, it was a consideration for them and a focus, um, which is really good having that emphasis early on in the piece because we were able to integrate it into the design from the uh, get-go rather than having it tacked on or yeah, a bit of an afterthought. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, they also um, brought to us some bathroom fittings that they had seen on a cruise, um, which were really high quality and slightly more design-led than what you would normally see for accessibility fittings. Um, so yeah, the b- larger considerations were around the bathrooms, um, kitchens, and also access. So when you're moving around the home, um, you'll see a lot of level thresholds and also a lift um, to get to the different levels of the house. Um, And then with the bathrooms, fittings such as grab rails, um, the basins um, were designed by um, the supplier that does uh, specialise in accessible fittings. Um, And then with the kitchen, we designed a part height portion to the kitchen island. Um, This was so um, a person could help out with cooking. There's a small basin and a small hob integrated um, whilst I was sitting down. Also, the way that you have approached it, it feels, you know, very succinct for a stage of life before people may need that sort of um, intervention too. Like, I think that's the great thing about, like you say, knowing, you know, what people might need for the future from the beginning of a project um, allows opportunity to sort of really resolve those considerations rather than tack them on. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't want it to look, like I say, as an afterthought. It did want it needed to be integrated. We did want to create a beautiful home and it just has this overlay of accessibility as well. Now that your clients have settled in here for a while, what do they share with you about what they love about living here? The initial feedback has been really positive. They, um, you know, they, they absolutely love being in the house. So, they've and they've found it um, so much easier to live in than the last house because it's they are having some mobility issues now. So, to be able to move around easily and you know not, it's everything's much easier for them. So. Um, the, the feedback has been really, really positive, and you know, clearly they love their gardens and they're, they're you know spending a lot of time doing that, doing those sorts of things. Um, so you know it's uh, it's been very gratifying actually. The um, the, the comments yeah, well, back in the climate, you know, in the cli- in that climate, it is really lovely to be able to have those you know access to sort of outdoor rooms. Yeah, which you know you can tuck away into at the different times of day, and you know that it's sort of a pretty neat sight. And the fact that it's got that. Sp- suburban setting but does have that view out to the bay and things as well yeah it's a, um it's a, a, a tricky site because there are, as you say there are you know it's a suburban suburban site so there are actually quite a lot of neighbors um and the view is you know glimpses um and glimpses across the kind of suburbs so it's a um it's an interesting thing to deal with um and we have um you know it, it, for some privacy areas where privacy is an issue, we've um, used louvers on the outside of the building to kind of direct the view and to, to shift it away um, from the neighbours and stuff too. So it's um, yeah, it, it, it's, it seems to have worked really well for um, for them. 
And what are you most pleased with in the resolution of the design? The building's been beautifully built, so that you know the the builders have been um, really, really um, just absolute craftsmen. And um, this this was J.R. Hosking's carpenters, and so James James Hosking and um, John, the form you know the foreman on the site, is he's just an artist. Um, and along with him, um, Phil Horner at Philby Design did all the cabinetry work. Um, so between the two of them. They've, they've just done such a superb job of the construction. So, all those transitions around the stairway and things are pretty spot Yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's you know it's it's not easy to make that stuff um, to build that stuff. Um, so that that's that that aspect of it's really gratifying. But um, always for me anyway, it's is the the fact that the clients are in a house that is you know that they're happy and and that kind of solves a lot of the you know the, the kind of um, problems that they were you know foreseeing I guess and um, you know having having happy clients is basically why you do this so um, that that's my take on it anyway. And how about you Michaela? Yeah I would just like to echo what Pat said yeah it was you know a significant process over years so just yeah seeing an amazing outcome that our clients love is yeah really really rewarding. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, guys. It was great to catch up with you on this project and hear about um, what you and the team at SGA have created. It feels like a yeah, really interesting sort of addition to your portfolio of work. You know, I sort of feel like I can identify a bit of an SGA aesthetic, but also how each project you do sort of responds to individual clients' needs is always, yeah, is always impressive. Thanks, Alice. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thanks for tuning in today. If you'd like to find out more about how SGA brought the garden house to life, you can catch the video online at firstwindows.co.nz.